My name is Earwig Dungeon. I come from Wichita, Kansas. Mom and I used to own a restaurant where we served human flesh. It was very popular. We were millionaires. Had a pony and a yacht. Now we are on the run from the FBI. Hello and welcome to episode 47 of Under the Cull of MS. That's a little quote from Emily the Strange, The Lost Days, and we will be talking about a few Emily the Strange comics, which I got at number one, two, and three, hoping that they think together, but they're each from a different run. I believe three issues each. Positive on that. First one I'm going to talk about is... Emily and the Strangers, number one from Dark Horse Comics. This is done by Rob Rieger, Mariah Huner, and Emily Ivy. In order to win a legendary haunted guitar, Emily is determined to create the most rockin' song the world has ever known. Can she do it solo? Emily isn't known for playing well with others, but she's going to have to rely on the help of some strangers. She's going to succeed on her musical journey to the true heart of rock and roll. This is a fun story where she hears about a contest, while she's working on her little laboratory of inventions in which her she has three black cats living with her and they like to cause a lot of trouble, get into the wiring of her inventions, fight in this stuff, surprisingly not get fully electrocuted and keep destroying her things that she comes up with as she makes them causes all kinds of issues with them but then she hears a contest about a where you can win a guitar signed by some member of a band it's a special guitar that has certain powers inside it and uh she makes a tape for it and goes to drop it off at the music studio and she gets hit by a vehicle and all her stuff goes flying everywhere and one of her one of the cats grabs the music disc and goes to the employee's only back door and just sits out there meowing until someone opens it up and takes the tape even though it's late and they do a little modification to it and get the tape played on the contest and Emily wins the guitar and you find out what was done to the tape and how it got changed and what she's going to have to do with the guitar after that and it's just a fun beginning story. 
hopefully goes in tomorrow the battle of the bands part and we get to see what happens with all of that but this is the i believe i don't know i've seen this character before she's a little goth girl uh I know they have lots of clothing lines and stuff like that out there. But, uh, you know, Rieger, he's been, has done quite a few of these items throughout the years. I think where I might have been first introduced to it was probably at Hot Topics stores with all their little interesting shirts and stuff like that but and then his co-writer mariah huner she's done like true blood and angel and then the artist emily ivy she's been part of the locked maze and ruts there which i've never heard of but it's fun, full of trouble-making cats, mad science, new friends, and killer guitar riffs. And then we get into Emily the Strange, number two, The Lost Issues. This is a nice, thicker comic. Comes with a poster in the back. Like a Lost Kitty poster on the back cover. Fold-up poster inside it. There's advertising for tons of different Lost Kitty stuff. And Emily stuff. Yeah, cutouts in here. Little games. All kinds of fun. This one's basically built up of a bunch of short stories. So the... This one, I don't believe you need buy in order or anything. You can just pick the, the lost year issues up and just see what kind of mischief the cats and her are up to. Just all kinds of fun little games and stuff inside it that you can check out and gives you a little bit extra stuff for the comic. Yeah, she's an advertising mascot character, which she's featured in several books, graphic novels, and several merchandise and clothing lines. So, find quite a few things of hers out there. Done other books by her. Emily the Strange in 2001, Emily's Secret Book of the Strange of Strange 2003, Emily's Good Nightmares in 2004, Emily's Seen as Deceiving in 2006. Those are hard hardback graphic novellas. And the third one was the Revenge issue, so I'm not sure what run this is off of. It's got some interesting stuff in it. It's like, whether you prefer yours ice cold or simmering to a well-plotted boil, revenge is a dish that everyone cooks up at some point. 
In this issue, Emily serves up her favorite recipes for vengeance, as well as a cautionary tale, a pointer or two, and some delicious insight from Gerard Way of My Chemical Romance. Plus, trip out art by the amazing Toro Scissorhand. Again, you got merchandising in the back. You got Dark Horse write-ups about Hellboy and stuff in the back cover. Yeah, a fold-in page. A bunch of little artwork from fans and stuff. Uh, a My Cat is Gone type. Find the cat game where you get to follow all the stuff and find all that. Again, she's on a mission. It's like part three is Dead dead Cat Walking, Revenge. Uh, all kinds of little cat traps and stuff going on in there. Just lots and lots more fun. Little stories. I believe has three different stories in it. And at the beginning page, you got Emily's top 13 methods of revenge. Examples is stink bugs in shoes. Uh, Banana in the tailpipe, the old Eddie Murphy trick. Replace Starbucks, Star Duds, self-serve sugar cube jar with starch cubes or rock salt. Under stick someone's underwear in the freezer. Just fake parking tickets, just all kinds of troublesome stuff that she likes to do. But yeah, if you're into that style. Reading, that's a fun series for you to check out, get into. And then I'm going to start today's episode with a little story about uh, by Nicole Lamel. Her, it's about her slide into her. Into secondary progressive multiple sclerosis, which many of us, it's right around the corner. But while she was in nursing school, she was diagnosed at 25 with relapse and remitting, multiple sclerosis. Uh, diagnosis was quick and to the point. Uh, she had symptoms for years and years before that she got diagnosed. Uh, she returned back to class because she didn't think that this was normal. Continued her nursing school with sm- only small problems. And after graduation, she became interested in cardiac rhythm disease management. Started working for the medical device company Medtronic. Uh, at the time was her dream job. She remained there for as long as she could work safely, which happened to be about six years. During that time, she was on every medication available to her. But her relapsing, remitting multiple sclerosis had evolved into secondary progressive MS. 
according to the MS Society, this happens within 10 years. And 90% would transition within 25 years. For her, it was just nine years. It was gradual, not like normal remissions and flare-ups. She had previously stopped driving, so it wasn't just that. It was her walking became increasingly more labored until she was wheelchair-bound. She went to a new neurologist, and he said... She was in secondary progressive multiple sclerosis. As soon as he saw her in a wheelchair, he said, any change in your baseline constitutes progression. So her life changed. And over the next few years, she quit her job. And she also had to move back closer to family. She Initially dreaded, feel like a failure, and end up living with your family and dealing with how they look at you and don't understand your disease and everything at first or until they learn more. There's no treatment for, well, there was no treatment at the time for secondary progressive MS, but they do have, I know, a couple drugs now that are used on the secondary progressive MS, as well as relapsing or primary. And she's tried the chemotherapy drug, commonly used to treat breast cancer, which she found unacceptable. Needs help with daily tasks, including bathing and toileting. One of her biggest problems is her inability to multitask. It recovers, requires a level of cognition she no longer has, but in reality, nobody can really multitask. We can really only focus on one thing at a time, but we think we can multitask. But yeah, so it's. So I feel like I'm in that switch right now to the secondary progressive. But uh, I, I'm just like her where I just changed to a new neurologist and all that. I'm not really feeling it yet. I'm still iffy on this whole change. <clears throat> it's hard to really get a read on anybody with the masks like I said and I just had that appointment last week like he came in quickly went through everything and got out really quick and so I didn't really feel like we had time to even talk or discuss anything and so to this day I have yet to really get a feeling off this doctor if he is knowledgeable about multiple multiple sclerosis or if he's just mainly a neurologist with a psychological background and a CPAP uh, background. Everything just gets pushed on that CPAP, keep getting, oh, well, after about three, three and a half months, might see something with the fatigue issues and stuff from it. I'm, I, now I'm sitting there. I got a machine that's broken. 
Oh, it's not broken. It's just when I try and use it, it's blowing so hard that my cheeks are filling up, my mouth's opening up. It's not allowing me to breathe in and out through the nose without issues. I made it three and a half hours two nights ago with it on. I made it an hour and a half last night. Three nights before those, I didn't have, get any time on the machines. Kind of worried because I've been waiting for the doctor to get a hold of me. And I called his nurse today and she's like, yeah, your cheeks are, you feel like the air is blowing through your eyeballs and stuff. It's like, yeah, like, like the doctor contacted the sleep center and told him to change the settings and nothing's changed on my machine. I thought I was on a setting of four and now it's the machine says eight to 12. So once it's ramping up, which is basically as it as you go to sleep, it slowly increases the air. So it ramps up to that 12 on the max side and a lot of air pressure pumping through you and you're just using the nose attachment. But yeah, it's hard to get a read on anybody and then there's probably a good reason because with multiple sclerosis, it can affect our ability to read social cues. So a recent study suggests that MS disease activity could damage an area of the brain responsible, responsible for processing facial emotions and other social cues, which I know I definitely have issues I mean, I can't even remember people's faces at the time. It just doesn't click in my brain correctly. Social activity, people constantly think I'm mad and angry, just cranky, depressed, whatever. They just don't realize it's just me trying to mobily get around and dealing with all the pain inside me, and I'm just, yeah, I can't be cheerful dancing around with all this pain. It's like, you should just be happy that I'm physically there, <laughs> getting around to the best of my ability. And instead, everybody just looks at the outside and doesn't give a shit about the inside, so. Multiple sclerosis, MS, is an unpredictable disease that can damage key parts of the central nervous system and may cause a host of debil debilitating symptoms. Many people associate MS with the gradual loss of motor function and sensation, but this does not complete the picture of the complex condition. A recent study asserts that MS can actually alter the way people with the disease perceive and process social situations. And it may even shed some light on why some people with MS may easily misread a situation and react differently than expected. It's like it's hard for me to do meetings with people and talk to groups of people because when I have something in my head, I got to get it out. And when you're constantly cut off, my head just constantly jumbles the stuff. So if I don't get it out in a set amount of time, then... Whatever I'm talking about might get cut off, might get totally flipped around, might not seem to make any sense at all, but I don't realize this until later on or I 
hear it or I'll be driving home and it's like, oh, damn it, I never finished what I was, what I was trying to get across. It's really annoying. MS disease activity can trigger changes in the brain's white matter, which controls many higher brain functions. These changes can lead to deficiencies in both theory of mind and facial emotion recognition, which are significant when compared with people who don't have MS. Theory of mind is the ability to attribute mental states such as intentions and beliefs to oneself and others and to understand that these states may be different than one's own. For example, someone might be talking, explaining a situation with no malicious intent, but a person with MS could misinterpret the facial expressions of the person speaking and perceive them as angry. This is not the first study to look into TOM and MS, social cognition and MS, have been studied for years, and the research points to significant differences between people with MS and control groups. Recent analysis of the connection between MS and TOM covered 21 studies that provided data on over 1,200 people with MS. The researchers' analysis showed similar levels of cognitive decline than what were noted in the new study. Social cognitive defects are often overlooked, but offer significant opportunities to improve social functioning and quality of life. Human connectivity is critical for those living with MS, but cognitive issues can interfere. According to the National MS Society, cognitive dysfunction could be present present in over 60% of people with MS and has been reported to at all stages and in all subtypes of the disease. While the deficits of TOM and facial TOM and facial emotion recognition among those with MS were not as severe as those identified in people with schizophrenia or in other neurodegenerative disorders such as Parkinson's disease, differences were significant. The results of these studies emphasized the need to increase awareness of social cognitive dysfunction. They also support the monitoring of social cognitive to be incorporated into routine neurological assessment. Uh, The TOM cognitive difficulties happen in all levels of MS, especially in the speed which information is processed. Clinical studies are looking at how to remedy TOM deficiency through Medication and, of all things, video games. I know video games have made a big breakthrough in helping our brain activities and stuff like that. It's just so funny how when we were kids, in my experience growing up, adults just hated the video games. Get them out of there. And it's the only thing that was really helping us out. But One study out of Germany found significant indications of a positive relationship between mindful meditation and improving age-related brain atrophy, suggesting the need for further studies. Uh, I know our brains are more likely to have atrophy at an earlier stage, and people with depression and 
Alzheimer in their family history have a tendency, if you have MS, to start earlier at like the age of 40 with those issues, which I know I have some of them already. Uh, it's very prevalent in my family history, so I know I got some fun nightmares to deal with in the future earlier than most members would. Uh, another study showed that brain training had significantly greater impact on improving cognitive in people with MS than the computer games brain HQ used by a comparison group. The brain training was funded by the National MS Society. Uh, brain training works by targeting different parts of the brain, but with one goal, faster and more accurate brain processing, leading to better memory and problem solving. Uh, it's basically a lot of playing around with stuff still, still have it in studies. The brain's not like a computer chip that wears out. It's basically it can certain parts can be rewired you just gotta get into those type of therapies and try it out but yep that's it for today got phone going off so i'll let you go and we'll talk to you again tomorrow